2: cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com
3: you're listening to the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast
1: uh, all right so here we are um hello everybody this is the h and j Daily no H today. Max in for Paul today and tomorrow, but don't let that put you off because Andy. <laughs> People turning
4: off. Straight How do off I went. stop this
1: download? It said that it said there were so many subscriptions. But they listened for eight seconds precisely to, to uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Is it Tuesday or the Wednesday? It's Wednesday. It? Wednesday and Thursday. I, I was yeah. I was almost in yesterday in for Jim but then it was cancelled at, oh, at short notice Jim was okay because he had an interview with Roland de uh, <laughs> so you know, I, was, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that interview because <laughs> I'd have just
4: done Jim impressions to Roland de Chatelet. anyway well tell us what's on the pod today Andy <laughs> well it's a varied uh, fair today um we, we had some very amusing stuff, I think. We had uh, the world crazy golf champion. Yeah, very good. And we had the world cushion-spinning record holder. Mm. To get two uh, in the same show is, is pretty extraordinary. But also, on the other extreme, Simon Thomas came in and talked about his very moving new book. So you'll hear a bit of that, too. Um, I think a bit of our stuff. We had a chat, a few vignettes from you. We did. Sort well of a, done. a vignette did off. Did I, a fine I, was,
1: effort. I was worried if we were just concentrating too much on our own vignettes and not...
4: Mm. you know just
1: not listening enough to the other
4: ones but we did the producer came in at one point and said we've had a cushion spinner and a crazy golf champion chris evans has got tom hanks on tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) well never mind yes never mind (laughs) what (laughs) else can you say (laughs) here's (laughs) today's yeah yeah, enjoy it
1: so uh, obviously those who don't listen on a sunday there's a, a a brand new drama um, we're About six months in now, and I'd written, a, I'd written a, Graham Swan. If you are listening, I've really written a part for you where you play Graham the Swan. I'm I offering, I'm offering no money. What a could he phone in? He could phone it in, couldn't he? Yeah, he like, WhatsApp voice memo. Okay. So he's Graham the Swan, and Henry Blofeld is King Henry the Ninth. So if we could spend the next three hours just trying to find Graham, Swan if you know where Graham Swan is. Uh, blowers will know where he is. Well, blowers will have so. his number, Blur. Absolutely, absolutely
4: what's happening for you. I
1: really like I will definitely text Graham Swan. I sent Eamon Holmes quite a strange text, having never texted Eamon Holmes before saying, Would you like to be part of a private investigating team with John Motson, Holmes and Motson? And Eamon, I got two blue ticks and there was silence for forty-eight hours. And, and then he like, went for it. And he went for it. So oh, you okay, never know. Really. I reckon Graham Swan's keen for it. But if you're anywhere near Graham Swan. Eight ten eighty nine. <laughs> if if you if, if you're not, we can narrow it down. If you're nowhere near Graham Swan, eight ten eighty nine, and then we can find out where he is by a process of elimination. Um, well, anyway, could Take uh,
4: calls <laughs> on people saying I'm no
1: Enneagram <laughs> Swan. That's just more of a text subject, I would say. Uh, <laughs> you can tweet me at Max <laughs> Rushton.
4: Um, uh, anyway, good
1: afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy.
4: Good afternoon, uh, Max. Yes, I mean, that's what you Paul there for a minute. Okay. I've, uh, I've got a call subject for you. Yeah. It's uh, based on this story in the sun this morning a £250,000 skate park is to be called Skatey McScapeface after a public poll in Mm -hmm. South End. So people are still doing the old Boaty McBoatface. I thought that died out a bit. but uh, And the council went along with it because they, they put it to the public. The public went for that. And it's not bad. It works. So I was thinking, why don't we do that? Why don't we Boaty McBoatface various sporting okay, events that okay. are coming up and uh, I've got three for you Okay, uh, Wimble, Wimble Wimbledon Ashesy McAshface right okay instead of the Ashes and uh, I've, I've been on to the NFL they're quite happy with this uh, next year's big um, battle between the NFC and the AFC champions will be the Soupy McSuper Bowl <laughs> okay <laughs> alright so
1: it's, there's not always a fey I mean it's not can we go back in time can it be the rumble in the jungle McJungleface or I mean yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah okay excellent news yeah, yeah. I mean it's quite a you, you, it's quite a Simple base, you know, sort of <laughs> yeah. one, one joke that will last three hours, but there's nothing wrong no, with that. No, we won't get three hours. Out of Thank me. you so much to Chris in Molden, who's texted on a much more important subject. Graham Swan isn't in Molden in Essex. Oh, there right. we are. Well, well, fair enough. Have you been through the whole of Molden? <laughs> he's, he's, I think we
4: should, yes, he got there quickly. <laughs> Tremendous. We haven't talked about last night's game, which was quite annoying, wasn't it? That the England didn't actually win the match. I thought in the end, they, you know, the, the, the tackle from. Um, Chowdhury was a disaster, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, when he was going was... at 200 miles an hour. It was a terrible challenge,
1: and we hope the French guy's OK. And apparently Chowdhury's very down about it. But, he, I mean, he flew
4: in. It and was It was wild. A, a it was good a good wild. use
1: of, of VAR,
4: yeah. I think. Yes, and uh, you don't see that very often. The penalty against the post, and then the taker plays it instinctively, and mm-hmm. then the referee, he did well to remember the rule. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten it. So, uh, I mean, he's a referee, and I'm not. <laughs> it's true, I'd forgotten that one. I mean, the penalty that's given for handball...
1: The referee makes the right decision in the laws of the game and we probably don't need to spend that much longer discussing annoying handballs because that will be the whole of next season. Yeah, you and
4: I have the same view on this. We absolutely do. Because they got a penalty for nothing and we both said independently of each other that if it touches your hand in the box but it's not going towards the goal, if you're going to insist on it being an infringement, then that should be an indirect free kick. Mm -hmm. A penalty was too strong. I agree. It was too much of a penalty for that Particular offense. So Soko like, in the Champions League final as
1: an indirect free kick. I'm yeah. happy with that. Yeah, I it's think not it's a penalty. much
4: fairer, much, much fairer. And uh, But Foden did well. What a wonderful goal wow. that was. A tremendous. And uh, it's a, <laughs> it was interesting <laughs> that they commented on it, Martin uh, Tyler and uh, Andy Hinchcliffe, and said the goal was varless. Because I think there's going to be a new category of goal (laughs) that you can actually enjoy, which is the varless goal like that, which is no question they don't even need to. The 30-yard drive. They do look at all of them, though. (laughs) Even that they look at, you know, they do. So, you know, but I think... But uh, I thought England looked really, really... In the first half, they were attacking with such Should have been 4-3 at half-time on Hmm. chances
1: created, including the penalty. Mark in Nottingham, Boaty McBoat Race. I mean, that is <laughs> it's really a, tr- tremendous. <laughs> That's very good, is it? Um, I've really... Um, uh, uh, I'm on maintenance for the roadworks between Junction 9 and Junction 11 on the M20. Uh, Graham Swan isn't here. Um, uh, I'm in on my own in an eight-acre garden, says Anthony. Uh, Swanee isn't here. This should eliminate <laughs> large good. areas for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. James Graham, I'm in Chengdu, China. I'm not near Graham Swan. He's, no, he wouldn't he in be in Chengdu, China. Well, we don't know, don't we? Um, uh, this is in the mirror. I'll well, tell
4: you what VAR will do. I know, oh, what will last it do? Night. That um, there are going to be much less stoppages. If the defending team regains it before a review would be necessary, then the ball will stay in play. That happened last night. So instead of flagging for offside, they let it run. Mm-hmm. And if the team who have got the ball win the ball back, the defending team win the ball back, yes. they don't then bring it back for a free kick. They just play on. And that actually will give more flow. You'll get less... Games stop for sort of annoying off-sides.
1: How many penalties do you think there will be on the opening weekend of the Premier League season? And somewhere between 70 and 90. I'd
4: say at least five, probably seven.
1: How many will... <laughs> how many I've forgotten his name at the crucial time who's that really annoying referee the Tranmere fact Mike, oh, Mike Dean. Dean Yeah, sorry
4: Mike if you're listening <laughs> Troy loves being described like that
1: how many will he give this season um, mm. uh, anyway Millwall Bass Graham Swan Notting the waiting room on platform 2 totnes railway enough, station you're, well, how long can we keep <laughs> this going not long
4: <laughs> you're you about to do one of your vignettes I oh yes excited. in the
1: mirror today I know you like talking about the Queen and well, what yeah. the Queen might wear yeah. Oh yes, but did you see Mike Tyndall doing his his trick uh, on the Queen uh, yesterday? Oh, what did he do inside his top hat? What was inside his top hat? A rabbit? No. Mm. Do you want
4: another guess. Yeah, have another guess. Um... <laughs> have another guess. <laughs> yeah. What would be inside that what made the? What could be inside his top to hat queen? that would impress the Queen? Sandwich?
1: No, not a sandwich. <laughs> not a corgi. No, what? It was another much smaller top hat. Oh, like my, a, that's very funny. Like the, a sort of Russian doll Yeah, effect. like a sort of babushka doll of top hats. That was, <laughs> that's what Tyndall went for. Oh,
4: so, isn't that, isn't that tremendous?
1: That. Yeah. It says magic. The Queen chuckles as Mike Tyndall takes off his top hat to reveal a smaller one underneath. Although, in both photos... I would say the Queen is grimacing at best.
4: Grimacing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going lemon yellow. You
1: said teal. I said teal, but since she was in, talk, in sort of turquoise yesterday... No, she was in uh, lilac yesterday. Well she? Oh, yeah. No, I've got L- it here. I've got she's in a, Unless she did a costume change like
4: Beyoncé... no, she was in lilac. That's That's lilac. That's very poor colour reproduction. That is not lilac. It was lilac. It's like, like, is it a golden dress? Is it a green dress? They paid out on lilac. (laughs)
1: Did they pay out on lilac? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, well, there we are. Purpley lilac. Purpley lilac. I'm going... (laughs) Lilac.
3: The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast
1: from Talk Sport. Let's talk to a man who has uh, set the new Guinness World Record for spinning a cushion on his finger, and his name is James Ferguson. He joins us now. James, how are you? I'm I'm great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Congratulations.
5: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's
5: just uh, just sinking in.
1: Yeah. Um, When did you? (laughs) When when did you? Like you do into the (laughs) sofa. When did you? I mean, so many things I want to know. about so, so when did you set the record, and how how long did you spin the cushion on your finger for?
5: Well, I set it um, last Friday afternoon, and uh, I, I managed to spin it for. One hour, four minutes, and twenty seconds.
1: Okay, so my first question was my first question was going to be: you you just spin it once and then hold it, but for an over an hour. I imagine you're you're continually spinning with one hand while it's resting on a finger. Correct?
5: No, no, that's that's not right. Oh, um, you, well, yeah, it, there's very strict rules. Um, you can only touch it with the second hand at the beginning to start the spin, and then you you're literally using the one hand to. Um, uh, to do a circular motion to keep the uh, the cushion up. Oh, right. So there, yeah, yeah. How
1: tiring yeah. is that?
5: It's quite... It's not too bad. You can rest your elbow. Um, so I use a, an elbow resting technique, which uh, uh, it, you kind of rests the arm. Um, but then, yeah, the wrist and fingers get a little bit um, tired.
4: How did you discover you
5: could do this? <laughs> um, I don't know, actually. People have asked me that, but I've... I've i've been spinning cushions since i was about 13 or 14 and i think i just started by i'd just be watching tv and there'd be cushions around so i I just had to give it a go so do you think do you think strange talent do you you think
1: you know with the advances of smartphones that this this will die out because nobody nobody has a spare hand to spin a cushion (laughs) because they're just you know they're on their second screen
5: Good point actually, yeah, yeah, maybe. Which well, it means you maybe could be the champion,
4: will. champion forever. Now, now, <laughs> who, who held the previous? Sorry, Max. Okay. Who held the previous record? Uh, the previous
5: record was um, officially um, uh, a man called Thomas Bounce Senior. Oh. I think Bounce is his nickname, um, and uh, he, he was on Britain's Got Talent as well. Uh, not spinning cushions, he has like many talents, I think. But uh, yeah, he, he did it for fifteen minutes, and then. Um, so I applied to break that record, but then I found out just a couple of weeks ago that uh, a man called Dan Spencer had um, broken the record, but only about a month ago. And he'd done it for 18 minutes, so I knew that I'd, I had 18 minutes to beat.
1: God, so. you've blown them out of the water, James. Um, what, What's yeah, um, what, what, what's the regulation cushion? I mean, there there strict <laughs> rules about what type of cushion oh, you can yes, use? Oh, yes, it's got to be, isn't it? I presume so. James will know, I imagine. James,
5: I, I do know that. Um, I can tell you. Um, it's the first, the first rule that you get from Guinness is about the cushion. But no, there's no, there's no rules to the dimensional size. It, it just says any commercially available cushion may be used. Um, so I had to take a, a picture of the receipt, which I've um, uh, given to Guinness because, I mean, you could you could just make some kind of super cushion yourself. Again, <laughs> you
4: could yeah, you make could. a super cushion. Is there a <laughs> prize involved? Otherwise, why would you bother to make your own super cushion? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've no, got you on. I've got a picture glory. of you doing this now. God, you're sensational.
5: <laughs> oh, Thank you. What a yeah. speed you
4: get up to there!
5: Yeah, yeah, it's quite quick. Yeah, One of my friends. Slowed it down and then counted how many revolutions had done. Um, I can't remember what the number was. So
1: someone slowed down and over an hour of footage of you to count the <laughs> revolutions. That is a very yeah. close friend that you have. To, I mean, you no. should get a world record for that, frankly.
5: He counted how many in in a few
1: seconds
4: and oh, right. like, extrapolated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, um, um, I, <laughs> bless you, Andy, When it went okay. wrong, um, James, not when it went wrong. When it ended. What caused it to end? Just tiredness, or a lack of balance, or what happened there to end the the, the record attempt? It was
5: it it was purely fatigue. It was uh, because I've been spinning it for so long, and the, the tension and lactic acid through the muscles. Uh, it caused my arm to almost sort of seize up. Oh, God. My, my wrist. <laughs> to, to seize now, up. now, James,
1: our audience is not <laughs> always the most forgiving. Gary from Hartlepool says a cushion. Tell him to try it with a pizza base, then I'll be impressed. Uh, do you have any plans to <laughs> oh, branch out? Cushion, ridiculous.
5: Possibly, yeah. I mean, there's a guy in India who's spun a, a Guinness World Records book on his finger for.
1: I think nearly two hours. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. Good afternoon. You are listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rushton in for Paul today and tomorrow. Uh, and we're joining the studio by the broadcaster Simon Thomas. You will know him, of course, from Sky Sports and, and perhaps Blue Peter as well. Uh, Simon, thanks so much for coming in. appreciate you it. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you. You've written the book Love Interrupted and you have spoken... A lot in the last year or so about, and amazingly sort of courageously and articulately about losing your wife very suddenly, uh, and now you've put it into a book. Mm. How easy or difficult was it writing the book?
3: Some days it was okay, Uh, other days it was a nightmare. You know, you, you get things like writer's block mm-hmm. when you just one day it's flowing and it's you can put down everything you're thinking. Other days you just sit there looking blankly at a laptop going, this is a nightmare. And there were some bits were just very, very difficult to write. Other bits I could kind of almost take myself away from it being my story and just write it. But, you know, writing about the moment you tell an eight year old boy's mum's gone when his expectation that night was I'd come back and say she's going to be OK and she'll be home soon. That's a really tough thing to write. Um, but do you know what I enjoyed about it? it was just having a period in the last 18 months where I had a purpose again, because obviously I'd left Sky mm-hmm. and that was a hard decision. But I wanted to do it for my boy to have that time with him to navigate him through the first year, year and a half until we got to a place where life began to make a bit more sense again. Um, but I just enjoyed that that process of having something to do every day dropping at school and going to the middle of Reading where I live and writing it. I felt like I was, I was working. Was
1: it like a catharsis Yeah, you in a way? Yeah, because yeah. because you, you know, the first few chapters, they begin at the, the most painful moment mm. and you'd sort of wonder if you'd want to revisit, I mean obviously you must have revisited that moment anyway a million yeah. times, but to actually sit down and, and put it in writing, whether you'd actually want to do that. I've thought
3: long and hard about it. The, the reason why I ended up writing a book, because I've had, I've had a few twits, saying you're just making money out of a really bad story and
4: oh, for goodness
3: and sake see where that comes from what i just go no it wasn't about that the reason why i decided to write it was there was one morning in the weeks after Gemma went your sleep gets obliterated when you go through something like this so i used to wake at about half two most days and i didn't fight it i'd go downstairs lie on the sofa and probably for the first two weeks just numb didn't mm. think couldn't watch anything engaged with jeremy kyle for about a minute off it goes mm. And then I started writing everything I thought and was feeling, emotions, I started writing them down on my laptop, anything Ethan said, because he came out with some absolute belter of questions very early on. I'd write them down word for word so that in the years to come, he could never turn around to me and say, Dad, I'll never said that. No, you <laughs> did because I wrote it down <laughs> word for word. But he came down one morning about half six and he sort of peered around the door and I was lying on the sofa tapping away. He said, what are you doing, Dad? I said, oh, I'm just kind of writing down how I'm feeling, what this is like, and just so that in years to come we can look back on it and it'll just – remind us of how far actually we both come since it all happened and he said oh why don't you write a book about it i said well, that's a good idea maybe i will and, and that was where the thought process came from and then i just felt having gone through this i realized how little i understood about what grief is like and actually how little a lot of people understand i wanted to try and help people take them a little bit nearer to understanding something that i'm afraid listeners we are all going to face at of some course. point
4: but Not in the way that you did, in, hopefully, and, no. and as much as it was so sudden and so unexpected, yeah, and you had no time to adjust, often when somebody has a, a terminal illness, it doesn't make it any better, but you have a time to adjust of course, to it, yeah, yeah. and, and that you didn't and uh, you took to social media quite quickly, didn't you, and, and it was raw, and those that follow you and those that read it felt it with you. I mean it, you know it was a very emotional course, a very difficult time for you.
3: yeah, and that was never intentional. I didn't lie there on that Saturday and think, right, I've got to tell the world what's happened. I think I was very aware that I hadn't been at Sky for four weeks at that point because I had to come off work because I suddenly got this depression and, and anxiety that came out of nowhere. I remember my last game at Old Trafford doing United against Tottenham. And I got Sue in the st- It's nothing to do with him, by the way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, Sue Ness in there, Redknapp in there. And, and literally 20 minutes before we going on air, I can feel the panic coming on. I had to go to the disabled Lou. And I had a full-blown panic attack. 20 minutes before going on air so I, I had to come off work and it was a really really tough period and, and I, I was aware that people hadn't seen me on the telly I'm not that I thought they particularly cared but I just thought, I'm just gonna let people know because I don't think I'm gonna be back doing this for quite a while and I just tweeted it and I was just honest about what it felt like mm that I am in indescribable pain right now. And I never expected what happened to then happen, which it seemed to resonate with a lot of people. I remember my mate in Australia, this was really bizarre, my uni mate Andy lives in Perth. He says, David Campesi's just retweeted it. I mean, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Campos retweeted. He miles away. But I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just... Nothing is unique about Gemma's story. It's a horrible story. It's harsh. It's a reminder how precious life is. But <clears> this sadly happens to a lot of people, maybe not as quick. And I think it resonated with people perhaps because they heard grief being described in a way they maybe hadn't heard so much of before. Because, you know, when a, when a sports person died, we often hear those phrases like, oh, they'll be looking down on us. They'll be, you know, <clears> we <throat> kind of soften how painful death is. And whether it comes at the wrong time in life or after
1: a long life it's still painful mm, and, and we're terrible about we're terrible at talking about it rubbish and, and, we're, and we're <laughs> i'm not saying at, what you're saying i am going to say <laughs>
4: fortunately we live in more enlightened times now all right but not the the bloke that accused you of making money out of it he's an idiot but i mean <laughs> men now and talk to listeners can candy not yeah. afraid of discussing stuff like no. this the climate's you know, changing some do yeah. but but a lot are realizing yeah. especially of a, a younger generation that it's all right to admit you feel rubbish and that things are affecting you yeah. what would you would you say
1: yeah. it's how has grief changed in that moment my, my wife lost her mum really young and she says that it never goes away it just changes into something else
3: yeah it's a very good way of describing it i i, I was often told in the early days by people i knew and people i didn't know oh, you know time's a great healer it's it's a cod phrase we hear quite a lot actually when you go through something like grief Time doesn't heal because the pain of losing someone you loved is never going to go away. Their absence is never going to be filled. What time does, I found, in my experience of the last nearly 19 months now, is it changes things. And so what felt impossible a year ago is now possible. You know, I I couldn't do any of the writing of the book at home. It was too painful to be in the house and just to be surrounded by peace and quiet. When I was used to doing all my prep for the Sky Games at home with Gemma pottering around, and that Mm. presence in the house is suddenly gone. I had to write it in a shared office space in the middle already. But now, when I am doing work and preparing for, say, a podcast or whatever it might be, I can work at home, and that's because time has changed and you've got used to being in that house without that presence around you
1: I saw um, the husband of Rachel Hodges Rachel Bland who was the Five Live Steve Bland yeah I've got to know him really well what a bloke and I used to work with her and she passed away very young and I saw a video of him quite recently saying you know something like it's it's okay to laugh like don't feel guilty about having a good good day Yeah. And I don't know if that if that relates, mm. if you can No, it's so
3: true. I remember very early on going out for a walk with uh, Dave Clark, who does the dance on Sky. Dave's he came great, over. Great guy, right? what a, I mean, mm. he's an inspiration in himself. Mm. And for me, what I was going through, just walking with him along the Thames near where we live, and a, and a guy called Dan Lobb, who I used to present on Sky Sports News sure. with, who was mm. just a rock for me in the first few weeks. We just went for a walk, a couple of miles just down the Thames with the dogs. And we started reminiscing about some of the days on Sky Sports News and some of the, the stories, the moment that Dan Lobb gets caught eating his bacon roll in the morning as they come back from the ad break, think he's got a bit longer. He hasn't. He's got a mouth full. It's a great. If you've not seen it, go to YouTube, Dan Lobb bacon sandwich. It's still there. But we, we were laughing. And for a moment, I thought I, sh- I shouldn't be laughing. Hmm. Oh, Gemma's only been gone four weeks. Why am I laughing? But actually, it's good to laugh because it's good to embrace life, however painful it is, because there is still things to get excited about. You know, I I've, I, really struggled to engage with football after this happened. Mm. For a period, I didn't care. Steve says the same thing. He's a massive yeah. Liverpool fan. Yeah, it's not surprising. Passionate, And I couldn't engage with it at all. That wasn't the reason why I decided to leave Sky. But, you know, as the season went on, this this glorious, because I'm a Norwich fan, this glorious tale emerges, but none of us expected Norwich fans at the start of the season. And as it, progressed I began to fall back in love with the game and, and just that story in itself was so uplifting and exciting that game against Millwall where we're 3-2 we're down and we go and win 4-3 in the 97th minute whatever it was moments like that you just think I can enjoy this still mm. because I recognise that for Ethan my 9 year old boy and for me we can and we will and we must still enjoy life but we have to enjoy it in the knowledge that there'll always be particularly for him when those life milestones come along they're going to be accompanied by the pain of missing his mum but he can't not enjoy life sure. he's got to sure.
1: what would you say to you know your, your your friends and the people that rally around you I, <clears throat> I can pretty much remember seeing that tweet that you sent yeah and probably spending an hour phrase, you know, we know each other well, but not great, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know what our relationship is, sort of acquaintances, whatever mm. it is, but must be saying an hour, writing a text, deleting it, yeah. rephrasing it. You weren't it. the only one. No, of course. it's difficult like, for like, other yeah, people, it of course it is. You don't really know what mm. to say, but from your po- point of view, what what helped, what didn't help, what what's the right thing for other people to do, or just say something?
3: The phrase I really struggled with was, there are no words because there's over 700,000 of them in the English <laughs> Oxford Dictionary. The problem is, is finding the right words, the yes. ones that don't sound trite, the ones that seem to lessen what's gone on. And I found that phrase very difficult because, you know, if you are really struggling for words, just saying, I am so sorry, is enough in that moment. Mm. It's far yeah. better to say that than say nothing. I have made the point in the back of the book, in terms of how you respond, I'm, a, I'm really sorry to say this, but emojis don't cut the mustard when it, when, when it comes to losing someone, praying oh, hands or a, or a sad face. No, it's a big no for me. Uh, you're right. But I, I've, Max, I, to be honest, and Andy, I'd far rather people said something mm. than said nothing. You know, my neighbour, very sadly, I mean, he's, he's had a good long life, 85 years old. And just on Sunday, while we were out having a Father's Day lunch, he, he dropped dead at home. And I went round to see his wife, Diana, last night. And because I'd been through it, I could kind of understand the things she'd want to hear. And it's it's ultimately, for anyone out there who goes through the loss of a loved one, the most important thing is just to feel that people, in whatever way they're doing it, they're at least acknowledging it. And when you say there are no words, you're kind of not really acknowledging it because mm. there are words.
4: There really you, are. You just can't find... You, you, finally, your, your son, your relationship with your son is, I presume, it was good anyway. But yeah. it, it's become special, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, really special. We are, well, we were nicknamed Team Thomas. We are, we are like this tag team, you know, when he's feeling down. And, you know, he had a really hard moment on Sunday when he just just has had a really amazing few weeks. We just broke down. And it's heartbreaking to see your son there because the one thing that would fix this, of course, is his mum to still be around, but he can't yeah. have that back. And at that point, you pick him up. But then he does it to me as well. And one of the stories I tell in the book came on the first anniversary of Gemma going, so last November, and we went to stay up in North Norfolk, a beautiful place, actually, a colleague from Sky had given us the house for the weekend. And I was okay on the Friday night, but I was just having a little bit of a quiet moment. I'm sat on the stairs, and, and Ethan is basically looking forward to seeing his cousins the next day and playing hide-and-seek all day. You know, he knew it was a significant weekend. He just comes up and sits beside me, puts his arm around me. This is a, a nine-year-old boy, just nine, and he just says, Dad, I know this weekend's going to be hard, but if you're struggling... Come and find me, I'll give you a big hug.
4: All right, sweet.
3: So that's at that moment, he's mm. pulling me along and it's, it's just become magnificent relationship and I, I don't over-exaggerate this in the book, but in terms of still being here and still pursuing life, he's the single biggest reason why I'm in the place I am now. He's a special kid.
1: Um, uh, listen, Simon, so great to see you. Thanks so much for coming in. The I love board. your new offices, by the way. Oh, yes. These are magnificent, aren't they? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely delightful. What a you? Are you looking to get back in? Is this your a.
3: That was not a sales pitch. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Hold
0: up.
1: The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
4: Andy, it's uh, it's time to delve yeah. into... Oh, delve into the world of vignettes. Absolutely right.
1: How many pages have you got today, Andy?
4: Well, I've got quite a few pages. Okay, good. Um, uh, today's recipient of a life ban yeah. uh, for basically praising something else over and above men's football. Right. Uh, it goes to Tim Farmer, who loved the Soccer Aid charity football match. It was everything the modern professional game should be, but unfortunately is not, and he goes on and on about it. And it was fun evening, but, you know. So I've decided, Tim, you will now only be able to watch charity football. <laughs> not really? No, no, because you think it's so great, it's so much better than the real thing, so that's what you have to watch. Now, this is from... Uh, if you could bring this back to sport, that would be
1: useful... Um, this is in the Guardian today. A, a sad story about a polar bear's uh, emaci- emaciated, <laughs> you emancipated. Bring, you can't bring that back to sport. <laughs> a Emaciated polar bear <laughs> wanders into a Russian city. A polar bear strayed hundreds of kilometers from its natural Arctic habitat and wandered in exhausted into the Russian oh, yeah, industrial I'm city. You've seen the footage. It's Norel's, sad. Northern Siberia. It is really sad. But they quoted Oleg Krasvetsky, a local, Twitter? a local wildlife <laughs> expert. Oh yeah, who said. He could have got lost well unless he lives <laughs> there you know unless he's popping to the shops and he lives yeah. in a two-bed flat he has got, got lost you don't need to be a local lost.
4: a local wildlife <laughs> expert for that over to you andy <laughs> a woman called 999 in dorset because she could not get to sleep without chocolate hobnob biscuits <laughs> that kid can't be well this person can she really i mean that's not normal how
1: are it? you how old are you andy uh
4: 66 all oh. oh, right when did you last go raving Uh, I don't think I've ever been raving,
1: Oh, really? There's an article Mm. uh, uh, by a man called Nick, uh, who is uh, um, the oldest raver, he says, at the club. 60, he's 60. Mm. Um, A poll of 2,000 adults uh, has found that 2.6 million Britons over the age of 45 go clubbing at least once a week. 40% say they have more stamina than ravers half their age. And Nick says... A night out is exhausting. A typical event will last eight or nine hours. Can you
4: imagine? The last time I went to a disco Right. Here we are.
1: Disco
0: yes. A well, Disco, yes. Can't
4: it wasn't that long ago. But I was struck by the level of bass. You know, this thing <laughs> yeah. I, that's changed from when I used to go to I mean it really like affects your heart, doesn't it?
1: Really? We hosted a trance event in a local club. Well the last time I went to a nightclub, I've told this story on Talksport. It culminated with a five foot girl dressed as a clown who'd been crying and her eyes had streamed punching me in the face. <laughs> why is that? Uh, and so I said, I've never, why? I was trying, she was trying to, there was, my friend was dressed as the Stay puff Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters and she was really pouring at his head. So I just said, look, there's someone's actual head in there and so she told me to leap off and punch me in the face. But when I went in the club, <laughs> I, I... Would you say drink had been taken? <laughs> I mean, more than that. She was a total nightmare. I, when, I, when I walked in, I thought, what a terrible fire risk. And I certainly didn't think that when I was 20. Mm. anyway, bringing it back to sports. Now, I don't
4: quite understand this letter to The Guardian. Mm -hmm. You're you're our official representative. Absolutely, yeah. Wonderful representative Mm -hmm. of The Guardian. Wonderful podcast. (laughs) I'm pleased to see Hugh Close, or Hugh Kloss, I should say, wrote to uh, The Guardian. He said, I'm pleased to see coverage of the FIFA Women's World Cup. In future, should we refer to the men's cricket and the men's Premier League, etc.? I don't know what he's saying. Is he saying that we should just call it the World Cup? But that would be slightly confusing, wouldn't it? I mean... Mm. I don't know. I'm not responsible for no, uh, the letters. To Virtue
1: signaling Q. Google is among firms hosting mindful knitting workshops to help its overstimulated employees relax. Heartknit, <laughs> a US company offering med Says, while knitting used to be about making a scarf or a jumper, today it's more about the journey, mm. than, the desti- <laughs> about the journey about- than the destination. It's more about the journey than the destination. There's not a wrong or right <laughs> way to knit. An instructor recently told a group from Google, "Just try to find your rhythm." Would you bring that? Because sometimes you can be a little saggers can be a little bit spicy, can't he? Oh yeah. Maybe we should get him mindful knitting. <laughs> That's I mean, a you know, good idea. Very calm show. Saga's on a Sunday. we just do half an hour where he mindfully knits, and we get a much calmer. Well, I think much all these things show. do make you calmer. You know, a bit of knitting. Oh, okay. Why did you? When did you last knit? Were you more recently in a disco or uh, with a needle and
4: thread? Oh, I can't knit. Okay, unfortunately, I've got a all clue. Well, that's okay. Um, I keep wanting to do this as calm in the t- in the sun uh, in the sun racing Royal Ascot pullout. Yeah, by somebody called the Tipstress. Right, and. Uh, but basically, every time I go to read it, it's it's so double entendre, I can't even do it at this time of the day. I'm surprised they can actually do it, really. It's, basically, she's supposed to be a sort of mistress come tipster mm-hmm. basically. But it's obviously written by somebody like Paul Jiggins. Right. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Jiggins mm-hmm. a dominatrix? It's never knew. I'm hoping the girls will be on top in this year's Hunt Cup uh, 5 o'clock race as... Raising sand gets my, you know, it's all sort of right. And when you know that, yeah, you get the idea there. I really. do.
1: I have a similar smutty based story. A conductor on a Southwestern <laughs> railway service appears to have accidentally broadcast the soundtrack of a soundtrack of a porn film they were watching over the train's public <laughs> address system. <laughs> really? In a video of the incident, <laughs> commuters on the train, you could have got this one, Wandsworth to Clapham, <laughs> can be seen giggling. Well, one woman asked, is this coming for the
4: driver? Isn't that great? The rail operator well, has... An, <laughs> an announcement to mind the gap? Probably not. It doesn't quite work, does it? We'll do be know? pulling into the next station
1: <laughs> to stop this
4: now, don't we? The rail operator oh. has apologised. We forgot to mention the Mali women's cricket team. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, crack John Norman on. alerted me to this, mm-hmm. our cricket correspondent. Uh, basically, uh, they lost a 2020 match to Rwanda women by 10 wickets. Nothing so unusual about that, but they were bowled out for six. Oh. One person got one, everybody else got naught, and presumably there were five extras. <laughs> and uh, the Rwandan women won quite easily. I think they made eight for no wicket. And I was thinking if I was a if I was a woman, I probably could get a game with him. With Marley? well I reckon I could be international. With your grandmother from Marley. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> you have to live there for five years. Right <laughs> now, I'll have to become naturalized. <laughs> it's worth it if a I can get a game with it. And um, and of course we must congratulate uh, Kylie Jarman, or as they described her in the Sun, dozy Kylie Jarman, oh, right. who microwaved her cottage pie mm-hmm. for 45 minutes. Oh, that is quite a long time. No, then complained and tried to blame Sainsbury's for her blunder. Was it well <laughs> imagine it could be like the center of the like the inner core of the earth. Would it be so hot be but, like I a... know, but honestly, these people are fantastic, she said. The pack had instructions on two sides, one for microwave and one for the oven. I thought it said forty five minutes in the microwave because it had small writing. Okay, what well, small writing you didn't bother to read i think I think I can trump you
1: trump you. Okay. A female passenger caused chaos at Manchester Airport last week after she opened a plane's emergency exit in the belief that
4: it led to the toilet. Oh, for <laughs> Imagine that. It wasn't the same woman that rang up 999 for hobnob biscuits. was She just microwaved a lasagna for 16 hours. She was boarding a flight to
1: Islamabad when she opened the wrong door, uh, causing the deployment of the emergency chute, forcing the plane to be evacuated. All oh, right, so the plane was still on the ground. And he says, Can I still use the... You know, that, that nervous moment mm. when you're on the plane, but you think, Can I go? You don't want to Oh, yeah, no. See. Can that's I please? Right, yeah. Well, if you are going to open the emergency exit, better to be on the ground well, well. I'd say so my yeah. advice Absolutely. for today That's um, a bit of panic oh, there marvellous well I enjoyed those good vignettes uh, we'll save I've got I've got the tips of the week um, how not to behave on a date. So I'll give them to you tomorrow, just Thanks. in case. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. We did, we sort of laughed, didn't we, last year when, you know, Burnley's oh, European. we laughed. How, how we <laughs> laughed. You know, Burnley finally got into Europe and they had to go to Aberdeen. I mean, it wasn't great for Aberdeen either, was mm. it? You know, your only European took them half a season to get over it. <laughs> European it's adventure. It's not good for
4: Wolves, this, because I think... Well, they, it
1: depends who they sign Wolves, I think. They could,
4: they, they've got, they'll be better equipped. Better equipped than Burnley, but it, mm. it's so early and uh, plays such a lot of games, and it, it, it affected Arsenal and Chelsea last year. It did, yeah. But so. the B36
1: Torshavn, I mean, sounds like a road, doesn't it? It does, really. <laughs> In the Pharaohs. <yeah>. <laughs> uh, we'll find out. Andy so I don't know anything about them. Call yourself a sports journalist. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, uh, how about Gavin Peacock, Steve Guppy, oh, um, yeah. Mike Katz, Steve Bull? We could get one of these. they are all good. I think we really could. We, you know, this is. Uh, Lee Cat <laughs> Lee Cat or Mole <laughs> Lee Cat or Mole It's two for the price of one <laughs> Or John Parrott I, We could definitely get John Parrott Can we get one of these by the end of the show please That would be very useful <laughs> ah, Now let's talk to uh, a man uh, who, has won as, uh, who has won as many golf titles as Jack Nicklaus hmm. uh, He has won 18 major titles in the world of crazy golf And his name is Mark Chapman He's on the line now Mark how are you doing? Hi guys Very good Congratulations yeah, Congratulations Thank you. Uh, when was your most recent victory and how many shots did you win it by?
6: So uh, last week was the World Crazy Golf Championships, which is hosted every year in Hastings. And I've won it now for the second consecutive year. A uh, £1,000 first prize. Nice. And in fact, the, uh, the top three places were the same three players from last year. Uh, but I beat the person in second place by a shot more this time. So I won by two shots.
4: Okay, well, that's see, very now, close. normally when you go and play crazy golf, they give you the ball and they give you the putter. Do, do, presumably, you've got your own.
6: Yeah, so you can still do that. Anyone can enter. There's no barrier to entry. You don't even need to be fit. You just turn up and you can play. The pro players are a little bit more organised than that. So they do, as you said, I've got my own putter uh, that was uh, specially made in Sweden for mini golf players. So the only difference between a normal golf putter and what I use is that it's got a rubber face. So you've got increased lag time on the ball if you were being super technical. OK, why do
1: I need more lag time? You
6: can do more with the ball. So um, with this um, this World Crazy Golf Championship, everyone gets given the same ball, a standard golf ball with their own logo on it. And uh, that keeps things fairly even. But if you've got a more specialist putter, you can do more with that ball. So you can play spin shots, you can play slightly different rebounds because you've got a little bit more touch and feel uh, due to that rubber putter face.
1: And is it is it four rounds? You know, 18 holes with a cut after two days. Is it is it the same <laughs> setup as the it, U.S. Masters?
6: Some would say it's more grueling than that. Oh it's really? over a, a whole weekend. Yeah. So um, for for that tournament, we play. Six qualifying rounds in total: four on the Saturday, two in the morning on Sunday, and then the top 18 players go through to the super final for the big money.
1: Right. So, so your scores are, are they wiped before the last two rounds, or do you go in as the uh, you know the overnight leader?
6: Overnight leader. It's all cumulative. So whoever has the lowest score over all the rounds at the weekend yeah. wins the title. But I'll add something else in there. You've got your pros playing for the big money at the end of Sunday, but also novice players, people who are in their first couple of events, can turn up and play so even you can go down and hack your way round, I'm sure this crazy <laughs> golf course in Hastings, and yeah. uh, you've got your own ring fence prize, the £500 and the title of world novice champion oh. on the Saturday.
4: Oh. Now, lots of questions here, do you wear red on Sunday, like Tiger? <laughs> I don't wear red, but I do,
6: I don't know whether it's coincidence or not, I've, I've got these bright blue trainers that I tend to wear when I work and also when I play, and I've Kind of got in the habit of wearing sort of a matching blue top underneath my sort of cagoule and mm. things when the weather turns nasty. Um, but no, no weird superstitions, no lucky pants, nothing like that. Do
4: you get a green windmill at the end of it, like <laughs> the green jacket?
6: <laughs> no, we do have a, a British mini golf masters where you do win a really hideous sort of plaid, strange, multicolored jacket. Where it's meant to be one size fits all, but I'm a slimmer frame, so it did look particularly weird when it was on me. Yeah, not for this event. You get your trophy, you get your thousand pounds and obviously the glory that comes from being a world champion. Yeah, totally.
3: Yeah. I but, I, mean, I look
4: forward to seeing you at the sports Personality <laughs> of the Year, that bit where they bring up Britain's <laughs> world you're champions. Not, <laughs> you're not the first person to mention that. <laughs> I, I
6: mean, what's this,
1: what's this course at Hastings like? Because there's a huge variety, you know, you say you want to do crazy golf and some of them are good, you know, as Andy says, windmills and little waterfalls and balls going through holes and popping out the other side and others are just, someone's just got a bit of Felt and just chucked a few corners in, you know?
6: <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of that. So, th- this event is is a crazy golf world championship. So, crazy golf is defined by those moving obstacles. So, you've mentioned the windmill already. There's a watermill there, there's an obelisk, there's a lighthouse, there's a helter. So, you've got to negotiate these obstacles and then hopefully give yourself a chance of, of getting an ace. Um, we have a par score of every hole of two shots mm-hmm. and I won this year with an average score per round of about thirty three so that 's oh. about three holes in one and all the others twos
1: oh very oh, good and and you know let 's say with a windmill obviously you you know the 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 dream is to hit it through the hole and then it pops out and lands in the hole. Are you allowed to go round it? Is that acceptable yeah. in the rules, but it's frowned upon? you know, sort a chip. Of it's, yeah. Well, no, no, <laughs> well, because sometimes a little, <laughs> there's like a little road down the side that, that a purist, mm-hmm. not, like Mark is obviously a purist, right? He wouldn't play that shot, but some people would, would play, would sort of be a dirty, you know, uh, there are beautiful yeah, golfers yeah. and then there's Jim Furyk, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's the same yeah, principle. It,
6: hmm. It's personal style. You're completely right. Personal preference in the past. You could have played around the side. Quite a lot of people did play around the side in the past, but this year they blocked it off. Controversially, so you
1: had to negotiate
6: through the middle of the obstacles, so you kind of slightly leveled things a bit.
1: Okay, you were training three to six hours every other day, is that correct?
6: I I think uh, I think stories that have gone out recently, as as sort of pitfalls of fame, they like to embellish <laughs> things slightly. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and and I saw the comparisons today in the newspapers to Jack Nicholas. I mm. think they've really gone overboard with this one. <laughs> yeah. But um, I I I would practice little and often. I'm a professional fencing coach based in Canterbury, so it's not miles away to Hastings. So I would go down there, sort of a few days and a weeks building up to the event and spend sort of half a day down there playing the lines, getting a feel for the course because they do change it every year. And um, yeah, you've got to put the work in. It's hard work because when the pressure's on, all the media's there, all the cameras are in your face, you've got to come out on top. You've got to perform well. And luckily this year, again, I managed to do the job.
4: Brilliant. Finally, what is it about Hastings? Why, why isn't there the World Championships? Is it a special course? There's... The people that
6: run it there at Hastings Adventure Golf, they have three different courses on the site. And this particular course was built, I believe, in the late 60s. It's an Arnold Palmer putting course. And it was one of the first ones to arrive here in the UK at the British coastal town. So it's a bit of a, it's like the St. Andrews of miniature golf there. It's the home of... Is it enlightened though? I mean, are women
1: allowed Mm. in the clubhouse or is it one of these old (laughs) stuffy institutions?
6: No, no, it's, it's, like I said before, there are absolutely no barriers oh, to entry. Novices and pros can play dress code, you can wear whatever you like within reason, and making sure as well you're dressed for the occasion. So we had the wind on Sunday, you occasionally get sideways rain, even hail. So you've got to be prepared for the elements and maybe even that wind blowing your ball into areas you're not sure about. You've got to do a bit of mapping just in case. <laughs>
1: I, I know, that. very like it's a link. It's more of a links course, the Hastings <laughs> does, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will, completely. Well, listen, Mark, thank you so well much. and Congratulations. Congratulations.
6: Thank you. Entries are open for next year, so if you guys fancy it, then mm. uh, go online and, and find the course, 2020 World Crazy Golf Championship.
4: 2020 oh, yeah. World it's Crazy... It's pretty sensational, oh. the Hastings course, when you look Is at it. it, oh. it? You know, it's
1: not does really, look really good. Well, know. why don't we enter next year? Well, I'm no good at you don't put yourself down you could be the novice you could be the novice then you'd have to stop hawking your art thank you so much Mark uh, and good luck for next year make it three in a row cheers bye uh, Mark oh, Chapman, hi. there, world crazy golf champion. You know, when you look at a running, order, you think, "Wow, that's a bit of fun"? I was, I was found that quite yeah, fascinating. Quite interesting, yeah, no, it was really good. We'll put yeah. that in the podcast. Oh,
4: good, good uh, you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank it's you. up to you. Yeah. It's your show, Andy. No, no, no. I'm just here yeah. for a
4: day. You've you know, in, well, two days. You, you're allowed to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily
3: Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four p.m. on Talk Sport.